Section 17 of the Watergate Report, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Senate Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities, Volume 2, Section 17. Chapter 5. Milk Fund. Introduction. National attention was first focused on the nation's leading dairy cooperatives in 1971, when it was discovered that the administration's decision to raise the level of federal milk price support subsidies for dairy farmers was followed almost immediately by some contributions which, within six months, amounted to more than $300,000 to Republican committees including about a quarter of a million dollars to President Nixon's re-election committees, established especially for the milk money. When the select committee undertook its investigation of the alleged quid pro quo, it soon found that price supports were just one item on the dairyman agenda. In fact, the milk producers, representing one of the wealthiest political funds in America and one of the largest groups of contributors to the 1972 campaign, had actively sought favorable action from the Nixon administration throughout its first term on a number of matters of great financial importance to dairy farmers, at the same time that they were pledging hundreds of thousands and even millions of dollars to President Nixon's re-election campaign, with the knowledge of the president himself and with the encouragement of top presidential aides and fundraisers. The milk price support increase in 1971, granted by the president, was worth at least tens of millions of dollars to the milk producers, and they spared no effort in seeking that favorable action. In 1970, the co-op leaders had pledged $2 million or more to the president's campaign, and when called upon to reaffirm that pledge before the president's favorable decision was announced the following March, the dairymen readily obliged. Those involved in the March 1971 price support matter, the president, his key aides, including Haldeman, Ehrlichman, and Colson, and dairy representatives, each deny that there was a quid pro quo of dairy contributions in exchange for the presidential increase. The president has asserted that, instead, his action was influenced primarily by Democratic congressional pressure, generated by the dairymen, for an increase coupled with the president's fear of losing dairymen's support in his 1972 re-election bid if he opposed them. Much of what the president says is supported by the surrounding events. The dairy lobby had successfully gathered the support of about a quarter of each house in support of bills to raise the support level. But the president's position does not take into account other key facts uncovered by the select committee in the course of its investigation, which shed light on the type of potential support the dairymen represented. To be sure, there were economic arguments advanced to support an increase. However, all of the president's agricultural economic experts opposed an increase on the merits. The crux of the committee's investigation was, thus, not whether it was the correct decision, but whether the president made that decision for the wrong reason. The president was well aware that at the time he considered the price support matter, the milk producers had pledged $2 million to his campaign, but had not delivered one penny toward that pledge. In March 1971, at least some dairy leaders had considered boycotting further Republican fundraising efforts because of the administration's position on price supports. At the same time, 
the president's reelection campaign had just been organized and was seeking early money toward a campaign goal of forty million dollars what's more meeting that goal was considered very important because the president faced a tough even uphill fight for re-election in one leading presidential poll at the time the president trailed the democratic front-runner senator muskie by a full five percentage points with that as the setting the president on march twenty third nineteen seventy one met first with dairy leaders in the cabinet room and then later that day with his top aides in the oval office where he announced his decision which reversed the decision of the administration announced eleven days earlier at the conclusion of the second meeting a presidential aide was instructed to alert the dairymen of the decision before its public announcement the message to the dairymen carried an additional twist the committee has uncovered evidence to show that on the twenty third the co-op leaders were informed that an increase was a good possibility but not certain the second dimension to the message concerned dairy contributions a key dairy leader harold nelson was expected to reaffirm the two million dollar pledge at a late night meeting arranged by ehrlichman prior to the public announcement with dairy lawyer and nixon associate murray Schotner and herbert kalmbach the president's personal attorney and chief fundraiser during the twenty-four hours prior to the meeting nelson engaged in last-minute efforts to seek substantial commitments from his fellow dairy leaders and at the prearranged meeting kalmbach was informed of the reaffirmation in view of the price support increase which had been set for the next day the increase was announced as scheduled and in the weeks and months that followed the milk money flowed to the president's campaign other matters of importance to the milk producers included dairy import quotas government cheese purchase and school milk programs and the approach taken by the antitrust division of the justice department toward certain practices of the dairy co-ops at least some of these matters were discussed time and again by dairy leaders and presidential aides at the very time that large presidential contributions were also mentioned the tone of milk producer nixon administration contacts is exemplified by other events in the president's first term in mid nineteen sixty nine the milk producers gave one hundred thousand dollars cash to kalmbach later paid from corporate funds and promised one hundred and fifty thousand dollars more that year directly in exchange for the opportunity to meet with white house aides to press their case for higher price supports and meetings with the president himself in nineteen seventy in the course of their subsequent dealings with colson on dairy problems the mill producers stepped up their commitments to at least two million dollars and colson is reported to have replied this is a two million dollar package colson subsequently informed the president of the pledge several months later a dairy lawyer and friend of the president in a letter to the president referred to arrangements underway with kalmbach for the two million dollar contribution and then went on to ask the president for favorable action on a pending dairy import quota matter in nineteen seventy two in the course of efforts by kalmbach to raise another seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars from the milk producers a top dairy leader is alleged to have overtly offered the money in exchange for white house help in terminating an antitrust suit that had been filed by the justice department against his co-op but the offer was rejected and the lawsuit has proceeded 
in all the milk producers provided a total of some six hundred and thirty two thousand five hundred dollars to the president's re-election effort including two hundred and forty five thousand dollars furnished to the campaign just prior to the election whatever the legal significance of the circumstances of the nineteen seventy one price support increase and these and other matters the milk producers perceived some nixon officials as having a dual role of both policymaker and fundraiser whether or not these two roles were directly tied they appeared to the dairymen to be linked and this had a significant impact on the approach taken by them nelson said they gave the first one hundred thousand dollars in nineteen sixty nine because it appeared we were not going to get any place if we did not and when called upon in march nineteen seventy one to reaffirm the two million dollar pledge nelson explained that he felt he had no choice we knew and kalmbach knew that we were interested in matters other than just the price support decision we weren't in any position to say if you don't do this we're not going to make the contribution i think they would have been fully justified in saying we don't want any more conversations with you about anything these matters are elaborated on in detail in the milk fund report that follows at the end of the report a list of key persons and organizations a chronology of the events detailed in the report and selected documents are presented as appendices a b and c respectively the report represents the culmination of a nine-month investigation begun in september nineteen seventy three and conducted jointly by the committee majority and minority staff and involved interviews with over a hundred persons who were present or former officials of the white house and the executive office of the president the department of agriculture the justice department the treasury department the internal revenue service and the leading milk producer cooperatives executive session testimony totaling several thousand pages was taken from over thirty witnesses most of which is printed together with accompanying exhibits affidavits and additional documents in volumes fourteen through seventeen of the committee's hearings one key element white house materials has been consistently denied by the president to the committee thereby limiting the completeness of the committee's investigation the committee made repeated requests to the white house for tapes and documents and finally subpoenaed the president for them even though the president did not assert executive privilege as to some of these materials which in fact had been handed over to private litigants in a lawsuit the white house withheld everything from the committee what's more although the white house published its own account of the meeting with the president in which he raised price supports the president asserted executive privilege preventing several of his aides present at that meeting including the secretary of agriculture from testifying about the discussions with the president some but by no means all of these materials sought by the committee months ago was recently provided to the judiciary committee of the house of representatives considering impeachment of the president although these materials were unavailable to the select committee at the time this report was prepared they have been publicly released by the house committee and the principal additional materials are included in appendix d to this report the committee's milk fund investigation was conducted in such a way so as to respect the rights of potential defendants in fact the committee postponed its hearings on the milk fund at the request of the u s attorney for the southern district of new york because of the pendency of the vesco trial moreover at the direct request of the special prosecutor the committee withdrew its application granted by the court 
for immunity for a key witness jake jacobson involved in aspects of the milk fund in addition charles colson was not available to the committee sufficiently in advance of the preparation of its report to permit his interrogation by the committee nonetheless the committee believes the milk fund report is a comprehensive presentation of the presently available evidence much of which was first uncovered by the committee concerning the relationship between the leading milk producer cooperatives and the president in his 1972 re-election campaign. 1. Background. The three leading dairy cooperatives and their political arms. Farmer cooperatives are not a new phenomenon. For many years, farmers, including dairy farmers, have been banding together in cooperatives for the purpose of marketing their products for the mutual benefit of their members. In the late 1960s, however, the growth of dairy farmer cooperatives took a dramatic turn. Under the leadership of a few individuals, numerous cooperatives were merged into three large dairy co-ops, combining over 60,000 dairy farmers and covering essentially contiguous areas in the southeast, southwest, and midwest. Together, the three co-ops account for about 25% of all milk produced in this country. One lawyer for the dairy co-ops testified before the select committee that their intention was to expand all the way up the Mississippi Valley to the Canadian border. One key dairy leader has even stated that he believed all dairy farmers in the country should belong to one cooperative. This emergence of the large multi-state dairy co-op was also marked by another event, the creation by each of the three co-ops of a political arm consisting of thousands of farmer members, each contributing up to nearly $100 annually for a total political chest of hundreds of thousands and even millions of dollars each year. These huge sums of money were placed at the disposal of one or two leaders of each co-op. One of these leaders testified that he viewed the contributions to be made by these political arms as giving the dairy co-ops political power and, at the very least, access to our governmental leaders, including the President. The formation, development, and activities of the three co-ops and their political arms were, in many instances, coordinated. Before turning to their involvement, both joint and separate, in the 1972 presidential campaign, a brief description of the three co-ops, Associated Milk Producers, Incorporated, Dairymen, Incorporated, and Mid-America Dairymen, Incorporated, their political arms and principal officers is set forth below. A. Associated Milk Producers, Incorporated. The largest and in many ways most politically active dairy co-op is Associated Milk Producers, Incorporated, known by its acronym AMPI. Its political action arm, until April 7, 1972, was Trust for Agricultural Political Education, or TAPE. TAPE was replaced by C-TAPE. 1. AMPI AMPI consists of approximately 40,000 members in the southwest and central and upper Midwestern states. It was formed in late 1969 from the merger of Milk Producers Incorporated, MPI, a co-op of farmers primarily in the southwest, and a number of other co-ops. It is headquartered in San Antonio, Texas. AMPI is governed by a board of directors consisting of approximately 50 directors who are elected from the various geographic divisions and regions of the co-op. However, full management authority is vested in the general manager, 
who is the chief executive officer with authority among other matters to hire and fire all corporate employees attorneys and consultants john butterbrot a wisconsin dairy farmer has been the only president of the board the leaders of mpi were primarily responsible for the formation of ampi and indeed the other two major co-ops and became its principal officers harold s nelson a lawyer and the general manager of mpi became general manager of ampi david l parr division manager for the arkansas division of mpi remained in little rock under the new organization but became special counsel to the general manager nelson testified that parr was involved in all phases of ampi activities and that no one in the organization besides parr and him had such a broad range of responsibilities in a very practical as well as formal sense nelson and parr ran ampi nelson's principal lieutenants included bob a lilly and robert o isham lilly had been employed as a lobbyist by the texas state farm bureau in the nineteen sixties one of his principal areas of responsibility for ampi under nelson was lobbying and other political activity mostly at the state level but also on some important national matters such as federal milk price supports isham a texas cpa was the company's comptroller on january twelfth nineteen seventy two a change of management took place when the board replaced nelson with dr george l Marin, a former assistant secretary of agriculture in the johnson administration and later an ampi consultant parr and several other ampi employees left ampi shortly after the january nineteen seventy two change two tape c tape the idea of a political fund for dairy farmers was new to the co-op leadership consequently nelson turned to others for advice and guidance one lawyer nelson retained was jake jacobson who had been in the johnson white house and who has been a friend of john connolly for twenty-five years jacobson advised nelson and ampi and spoke at numerous meetings of the co-ops in nineteen sixty nine nineteen seventy and nineteen seventy one in an apparent effort to strengthen their organizations in light of his political experience it is not surprising that the milk producers through jacobson would have sought out connolly for his advice in connection with the formation of tape indeed connolly testified that jacobson and nelson had informed him shortly after his term as texas governor ended in nineteen sixty nine that they wanted to form the fund and he advised them that there appeared to be no legal impediments in february nineteen sixty nine tape was formed as a trust to collect monies from its participant donors almost entirely dairy farmer members and ampi employees and make political contributions on behalf of state and federal candidates for public office donations were made by checkoffs both from cooperative payments to its members for the co-op sale of their milk and from employee paychecks the donations were limited by tape to just under one hundred dollars per year in order to avoid the requirement to report publicly to the clerk of the house of representatives the identity of contributors of one hundred dollars or more under the then applicable corrupt practices act of nineteen twenty five the use of the technique of withholding together with the amount withheld and the large number of donors resulted in a steady flow of substantial amounts of money into the trust tape developed the potential as an ampi lawyer emphasized to republican fundraisers of one million dollars each year the trust fund has exceeded its potential 
in calendar year 1972 for example it spent nearly one million dollars and still had nearly nine hundred thousand dollars cash on hand at year's end isham was named the trustee of tape although the tape trust agreement vested him with sole authority to expend tape funds the enormous tape resources were at the almost complete control of one or at most two other individuals harold nelson and to a more limited extent david parr nelson stated that in practical terms he made all policy decisions for tape in nineteen seventy two with the advent of new ampi management and with the effective date of the federal election campaign act of nineteen seventy one a new entity was created to involve more persons in the decision-making processes for expending the political fund the new organization the committee for thorough agricultural political education ctape was formed in march nineteen seventy two with marin as treasurer and lilly as secretary and by the end of that year tape had transferred to ctape substantially all its funds pursuant to authorizations solicited from tape donors from the effective date of the new law april seventh nineteen seventy two until the end of nineteen seventy two ctape was one of the wealthiest political funds of its kind in the country b dairyman incorporated the smallest of the three co-ops with a membership of approximately ten thousand is dairyman incorporated or di which was formed in nineteen sixty eight its formation and that of its political arm trust for special political agricultural community education space were essentially contemporaneous with those of ampi and tape one di di is a corporation based in louisville kentucky and its members consist of dairy farmers in the southeastern portion of the united states its organizational structure is not dissimilar from that of ampi in practice however control of its policies do not appear to have resided in one person to the same degree as was the case for ampi john moser was elected president of the di board of directors paul alagia a louisville lawyer served as its executive director from its beginning until march nineteen seventy one when he returned to his law practice at that time he was replaced by ben f morgan jr who currently serves in that position one di employee with responsibility in the area of legislation and political matters is joseph westwater currently vice president for special projects westwater joined di in 1969 but did not become involved in space activities until after morgan replaced elagia when parr left ampi in february 1972 he soon found employment with another of the three co-ops di although as is noted later in this report parr did attend at least one meeting thereafter in which contributions to the president's re-election campaign were discussed he testified he has not generally been involved at di in matters relating to political contributions two space space was formed in march nineteen sixty nine at essentially the same time as the formation of tape since nelson consulted with the di leadership on the formation of space not surprisingly it was organized in virtually the same way as tape the co-op's comptroller jim mueller became the sole trustee for the trust funds funds were generated from regular checkoffs from farmer checks checkoffs were limited to a level just below one hundred dollars and practical control of the funds rested with the di leadership although the space membership was considerably smaller than tape its fund has been substantial 
in nineteen seventy two for example space receipts and expenditures each totaled nearly three hundred thousand dollars c mid-america dairymen incorporated mid-america dairymen incorporated mid-am is headquartered in springfield missouri covering portions of the midwest one mid-am mid-am was formed in nineteen sixty eight along the same lines as di and later ampi it has a membership of approximately twenty thousand william powell was elected president of the mid-am board as in the case of ampi and di day-to-day -day control of the co-op rested in top management its principal officer appears to have been gary e hanman hanman has been with mid-am since its formation and has held the position of senior vice president for the past several years two adept with advice and encouragement from ampi and di mid-am formed its own political fund in the middle of nineteen seventy hanman received advice from nelson parr jacobson and another ampi attorney w devere pearson the result was a trust patterned along the same lines as were tape and space called the agricultural and dairy educational political trust adept in july nineteen seventy shortly after adept's inception tape loaned the fund eight thousand five hundred dollars to enable it to begin its contribution activity william a delano the mid-am comptroller was the adept trustee however hanman apparently played substantially the same role for adept as nelson did for tape hanman noted that delano followed the recommendations of an adept advisory committee which in turn apparently followed hanman's recommendations in fact hanman could not name anyone other than himself with significant control of adept's activities although adept had a larger membership than space member donations were smaller so that each trust generated approximately the same level of funds in nineteen seventy two adept like space collected and spent approximately three hundred thousand dollars end of section seventeen